0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: How are you Well, good morning. It is really good to see you. I was trying to let the biggest crowd from the foyer come on in, but we're going to get started. I'm glad you're here today, and um, I want you, if you don't mind, look at a slide real quick up here. Mark, twenty, twenty-one 21 years this month, this week. I love the bottom left. That's a really nice sweater, Mark. <laughs> I think these are selfies that he took on other people's phone, if I understand it. So, uh, But Mark was um, on the 9th, it was his 21st anniversary, and we wanted to say thank you for all that you do, Mark, and appreciate you. Um, we are glad you're here. Why don't you stand up and move around and greet some folks? We're really glad you're here today. How are you? You can be seated. Good to see Mr. Vanderver back, have been praying for him, and I'm um, glad to see you back, Jeff. He says Mr. Vandiver's his daddy, so uh, good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I just want to explain. First of all, if you'll look at your worship guide, there's a couple of announcements in there. Not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday morning. I'll be doing a psalm and prayer in the sanctuary if you can come at nine o'clock. I know that knocks a lot of you out who are working, but we also want to just offer a morning time of prayer. If we need to do earlier, I'll do that. But we're going to do a nine o'clock time in the sanctuary starting on the 21st. There's also information there that you can take note of about different things you need to be involved in, especially a place where you can volunteer and serve with the with the online um, directory and so we're our goal is to have that in the form of an app on a phone or where you can get to it or your computer and see the new people and be updated constantly and know who they are because many of you don't have a clue who some of the people here are in this service. And those people don't have a clue who you are, and so um, because that's one of the things we have with worshiping in two different services. So I want to explain a little bit about what we're doing today. If you've noticed in your worship guide, there's no outline. There's no order of service. What in the world is a Baptist doing? I'll tell you what. um, Well, let me just try to explain what we're going to do so you can have just a little bit of of heads up. Um, Before COVID we were doing the Lord's Supper once a month and we continued to do that usually on the first Sunday, but sometimes um, it was on the second Sunday depending on holidays. But I've just never been satisfied. We started back again this year and I've just never been satisfied with the feeling that the Lord's Supper was just an add-on to the service. I think it's an ordinance that the church has been given, baptism in in, in the Lord's Supper. And and I know I could preach a sermon every time that we do the Lord's Supper. So that would be 12 sermons a year on the Lord's Supper. That would be an extra three months to any series that I'm doing, okay? So I thought, no, that may be a little too much. So I sat down with the deacons two months ago and we talked about it. And what we've decided is to try to do this every fifth Sunday. Sometimes it won't be on the fifth Sunday, like around June we always do VBS and and we do the the combined service during that time but at least during that time of the month uh, we'll do four sometimes five combined services where we come together as a church to worship and to pray and to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're going to try it. I hope that it works. My goal today is simple. My goal is that we will worship that we will pray in some times that I will lead you in prayer and that we will come to the scripture and eventually we'll come to the communion table. Just remember what Paul said about the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to preach the sermon together, okay? So if it goes too long, it's all of our fault. not just mine. We're going to preach it together, together. Now, you'll notice in your worship guide, we put several verses. Priscilla did this. I tried to put them in the order that you would find them in the scriptures. They're not in chronological order, um, according to the service. You can look at them in your worship guide and meditate on those as we go through it, or they'll be on the screen. But here's what I'd like for you to do to start. Would you hear the word of the Lord? Follow along with me. Psalm 42, 1 through 4. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Why, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With loud shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. And then we find these words in Psalm seventeen, fifteen: "As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness, and when I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness." And then I read this morning, where John said in Revelation twenty-two, four, which. Not all the verses I say today will be in your outline or on the screen, but listen to this. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. We will see him one day face to face. But until that time, let's seek his face. The psalmist said, you said, seek my face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So will you pray with me? And then we're going to sing a song about beholding our God. As we do that, let me just remind you that the first two songs will ask you to stand, but the rest of the songs that we sing will be up to you. You can stand, you can sit, you can come and kneel. There are kneeling benches around the the front here. If you want to come and kneel, if you'd like to kneel in your chair, that's fine. Probably hard to kneel in your chair, kneel by your chair. It's fine. You do whatever you feel led to do. If you want to stand or sit, if you want to raise your hands or put them under your lap, under your legs, whatever you choose. We want you to worship the Lord today, amen? Let's worship him. Would you pray with me? Father, I praise you. What a thought that we will behold your face. We will see you. We will be in your presence. And we will be done with sin. No longer struggling in this body that is wasting away. But our inner body, our inner self is being strengthened. So today, would you strengthen it through the power of your spirit and teach us about who you are. Help us, Lord, to consider this morning the enormity of the promise that we will behold you. Help us, Lord, to behold you in your manifest presence this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. Would you stand? Let's sing Behold Our God. be seated but let's hear the word of the Lord again in Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 we find these words in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above him stood the seraphim each had six wings With two he flew, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who called in the house was filled with smoke. It's interesting that you see a very similar scene in Revelation 4. I was looking again this morning, and it says, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. When you read Isaiah 6, it's an incredible scene. The seraphim are calling out to God, holy, holy, holy. But it's not enough. As Isaiah tries to explain it, he says the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth. You notice how great our God is. He's his glory is enough to fill the earth to fill the universe. Paul David Tripp said these words are meant to blow your mind with the thought that God is not like anything you've ever encountered before. He's totally other than us. It's a humbling thing, but it's true. To be holy is to be separate. It's to be cut apart. It's a category all by himself, himself, that he is God himself. He, he, He is God. But it's also to be holy is to be completely pure. And God has no sin. The fact that he is holy, holy, holy means holiness is not an aspect of who God is. It's the essence of what he is. Again, Tripp said, he is holy in every attribute. He is holy in every action. He's holy in justice. He's holy in love. He's holy in mercy, power, sovereignty, wisdom, patience, anger, grace, faithfulness, and compassion. He's holy in everything He does. He's holy, holy, holy. We want to celebrate that holiness today and acknowledge that holiness first by singing about it. I think you know what song we'll sing. Holy, holy, holy. And then I'll come back and we're going to spend some time praying and thanking him for his holiness. So once again, let's stand together and sing about our God's holiness. Sing that last verse again, acapella. Let's just sing. I will let like Kim start us, but let's sing it without knowing any music. Will you sing it? You could be seated, you can stand, you can kneel. But Father, we come before you. And we confess that you are indeed holy, holy, holy. We thank you for your love, but your word never says you are love, love, love. We thank you for your mercy, but it never says it in three. But it does say, holy, holy, holy. And so, Lord, we want to lift up our prayers to you. We want to praise you and thank you for who you are. And so I want to ask you, church, just with your heads bowed, you don't have to, but if you want to, just keep your heads bowed, let's let's just spend a few private moments praising him for who he is. He is holy that's not all he is but he's always that and so I want us to spend some more time praising and just this way you can keep your heads bowed if you'd like but I just want us to to say God I praise you for whatever it is you're praising him for if you feel comfortable just shout it out I praise you for saving me whatever it is if we interrupt and go two at a time, that's okay. But would you just do that? What do you praise him? God, I praise you for. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Just, yeah, amen. Keep on. keep praying you don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to but you're welcome to if you have a short scripture in any of these times that are scriptures of praise you can stand and read it loudly or you can come to a microphone we'd ask you to keep it short just so other people can read it as well but any scripture of praise that you might share cares for you. Hey, is
0: not each tongue's rend the other person. Yeah. Let your light to shine before me and that they may see your people
1: works and glorify the Father in heaven. Yes. Yes. Sir. He's worthy of praise. Let's praise him. Yes, Lord. The psalmist said, You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Remember, Jesus is at his right hand. Praise him. Thank you, Father, that... As we see in Abraham with Isaac that you provide, you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Just keep praising Him. Kim's going to lead us in a part of that um, holy, holy, holy again and into a chorus. But I just invite you to sing it with your heads bowed. If you don't know the words, you need to look, that's fine. But let's sing it as a prayer back to God. Would you join us? Jesus Verse 4 of Isaiah 6, the the declaration of the holiness of God causes even the thresholds to shake. Even the thresholds in heaven have the good sense to shake in the presence of God. We saw last week, or the week before in James, that even the demons believe and shudder. It says the whole place was filled with smoke, and then Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, 5, After seeing God on the throne, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. R.C. Sproul wrote a little book called The Holiness of God, and he said Isaiah literally is pronouncing judgment upon himself. His prophet, woe is me, he knew that he was ruined. He was lost, he was undone. In the presence of God, Isaiah, who was a good man by all measures, he came apart at the seams. Woe is me. And he saw the sin of his own life and the sin of his people, and he shook. He was looking at the very holiness of God. How do we treat sin, church? When we look in the holiness of God, when we see in the Scriptures who He is, do we, do we dare treat sin casually? Do we dare think it's not that big of a deal? The truth is we, we often treat it rather casually, but we won't treat sin casually when we come to grips with the holiness of God when we see him for who he is he shows us our lostness on the screen or in your worship God you you find the words of Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 I'm going to read them then I'm going to invite you just to pray them in 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 the silence of where you sit search me O God and know my heart Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you bow your head and invite the Holy Spirit to search you? Ask him to show you if there's sin in your life that you've not confessed. Sometimes you know that sin's there. You know exactly what it is. Isaiah saw the sin of his lips. What's your sin? Confess it. That means to admit that what God says about it is right. If he says it's sin, it's sin. Admit that it's sin. And ask him to forgive you. Confessing the sins of others, our own sin. David saw, was confronted with his sin. He said, against you and you only have I sinned. All sin is ultimately a vertical sin. It's a sin against God. Yes, it has horizontal effects, but it's vertical. If he shows you that sin, don't argue with him. Don't try to move on. Confess it. Then, would you use discretion? Be careful. But let's pray for the sins and confess the sins of the church as a whole, not just this church, but certainly we're a part of it. But the sins of the church, the sins of our nation, the sins of our world. As the people of God, let's intercede. On behalf of the lost. If anyone would like to pray a prayer like that, we invite you. I just again ask you to use discretion. We're not calling out anyone in this room sin or any particular person by name. But there are sins that maybe we as a church should confess and ask God to move in our life. You do it privately. If someone wants to do it publicly, we invite them. the Forgive us, Lord, when we think we can do it without your spirit. You said we can do nothing apart from you. Forgive us when we don't walk in your spirit. And even in James, Lord, as we've studied, forgive us when we show partiality, when we favor the rich over the poor, and we don't feed and clothe as we should and minister as we should. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't pray for our leaders as we should. I love what we see in Isaiah. God is holy. But if we call to him, he does not leave us in our sin. Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And then in Isaiah 6, 6 and 7, we find these words. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah saw the, the sin of his tongue. We were studying that in James 3, but when he saw God's holiness, he saw the pervasiveness of sin. It wasn't just his, it was the sin of the people. I love this picture. When we see Isaiah, I quote in sprawl again, but he said, Isaiah was groveling on the floor Every fiber in his body was trembling. He was looking for a place to hide, praying that somehow the earth would cover him or the roof of the temple would fall upon him, anything to get him out from under the gaze of a holy God. But the holy God is also a God of grace. He took immediate steps to cleanse the man and to restore his soul. Cole seared his lip. It was from the altar. It was divine cleansing. His sin was taken away. How can our sin be taken away? Listen to 1 John 1, 9. You know this verse. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess... Because of what Jesus did on the cross. When you think of the holiness of God. And you think of the sinfulness of man. When you think of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of ourselves. And then think that we can be forgiven. No wonder the psalmist said, praise the Lord. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We're going to sing another song. The choir has sang it in the, I believe, in the first service, and we've sang it in the second service, but it's just called Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. And we want to sing this. I would say to you, you're welcome to stand or to sit or to come kneel, whatever you choose to do, but let's sing this song as a thank you for what He's done in forgiving us. It's like a small little phrase, such a small little word, but it's the best we can come up with in the English language. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done, what you did before the foundation of the world, what you have done in the midst of human time, and what you will do in eternity future. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You be seated? Let's continue to just pray. We, we come to Isaiah 6 8. After he was cleansed, he heard God say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. God appeared. Isaiah saw his sin and he quaked in fear. God forgave and God healed, and then God sent. Our experience with the holiness of God will convict us of our own sin, but it also breaks our heart for the lost. It should. And so we want to pray this morning for those who are lost. There are those this morning who are going to Ecuador in another week. If you're going to Ecuador, would you stand? Um, I know Tim's leading that trip and a couple others. There we go. Just remain standing for a second. If you're going to Guatemala with Mark and... The trip, is that right, Mark? Guatemala, right? If you're going there, would you stand? Yeah. And then if you're going to Tanzania,
0: okay.
1: I want you to look at these folks and and pray for them. They can be seated now, but let's pray for the lost that they will minister to, but not just those lost. Let's pray for the lost in our own neighborhood and our own family. So I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads for a moment and lift up the names of those that you know are lost. You don't have to do it out loud, or you can. Those who are not walking with the Lord, pour your heart. I promise you, God loves them more than you do. Lift them to God and pray for their salvation. pray for the mission teams as they go the people that they minister to will be saved that God will soften hearts already but also pray for those waiters and waitresses you'll see in a few moments the people you work with the people at home then I think we're all aware that there are those in this room with us who have special needs. It may be healing, it may be provision, but it may be so overwhelming to you that you just desperately need prayer. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do, if you feel comfortable, just to stand if you have a need and you need somebody to pray for you. We're not going to ask you to do anything else, but just to stand and let people pray. Now if you'll look around, there's a few people standing today. Some behind you, make sure you look behind. And if you feel comfortable, would you just come and lay your hands on their shoulders? And you pray for them. You pray out loud if you want to. You can pray silently. But while you're sitting there, if you're not coming to pray for these folks, that's okay too. You just pray for those who are around you and pray for your own needs. Go ahead, church. Pray for those who are standing. Our Father, we come before you on behalf of these who are standing. We don't demand of you. We can't. But we do ask of you because you tell us to lift our requests to you, to cast our cares upon you. James even says that we have not because we ask not. So we're asking. We're asking God for healing. You can heal. We ask that you would. I thank you that Jeff's here and and an answer to prayer and Lord we pray that you would continue to heal his body we lift Rita to you God we ask that you would heal her you know the many other needs those who have had struggles from the moment they're born and those who have got struggles that come with old age those who are caring for those who are struggling. We pray for your strength, for your mercy, for your comfort. We pray for your will to be done. Bless them, God, we pray. Bless them, in Jesus' name. Two passages of Scripture. Both kind of long, but I want you to look at them and read them along with me. Your Bibles, they're, they're in your worship God, They'll be on the screen. They were in the uproar that Jesus had said he'd come down from heaven, and so he answered them in John six forty three. Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'm going to raise him up on that last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone who has seen the Father except he who was from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it, so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks very clearly about what we're about to do. In verse 23, for I received, this is chapter 11, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself we've examined ourselves in the midst of the time when we asked the Lord to show us our sin But we're going to come to the table now It's, it's symbolic obviously Jesus didn't mean that they had to literally eat of his flesh and literally drink of his blood it's symbolic but it's it's a means of grace it doesn't give you grace by eating it But you experience grace by eating it. And so I hope this morning, as you hold the bread in your hand, you'll remember the body that bore the wrath that we deserved and thank Him. Even as you chew the bread and you grind it between your teeth, remember what He endured on the cross that you might be saved. And then as we hold the cup, Remember, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And remember, not one drop was wasted. All those sacrifices pointed to that moment. And so let's remember what he's done. This is an open communion in that you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. But you do need to have been born again. And we would ask you not only to be born again but to be in a right relationship with God and with whatever church that you're a part of. And so if there's some reason that you're refusing to repent of certain sin, I would warn you as the scriptures do, don't partake, let it pass. But this is a table of grace if you'll come to the Lord and confess your sins, he'll forgive you. We're gonna do a little different than we do in both services. The deacons are going to come and get the elements and we're going to serve you. Hold the bread until the end. We're going to let you sit and sing the song. And it's, it's a song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. As we sing that song, we'll pass out the elements. You hold it until we get to the end and we'll all eat together and we'll all drink together. But we won't stand. We'll just remain seated and we'll sing. And so as they get ready to play, I'm going to ask the deacons to go to their assigned table, and Mark and I are going to help you. But let's pray together as they come. Father, I pray that you would bless this time as we eat and drink, as we come to your table, as you told us, as we remember what you've done for us. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. tells us that Jesus blessed the bread, and then he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. So I'm going to ask David Mullins if he would thank God for the brim.